Welcome to another episode of Jamming with Jason. And today we're going to tackle the age-old question of where internal audits should report, right? Because there's a lot of people going back and forth on, oh, you've got to report to the CEO. Oh, you, you need to report at least to the CFO. Uh, how does this all come together kind of in, in your independence and how you can actually have an effective value-added internal audit group. And so stay tuned because we're going to talk and we're going to actually answer that question and give you some practical tips regardless of who you may report to on what you can do to improve your effectiveness in your organization. So let's get to the episode. Hi, I'm Jason Mefford, and you're in the right place to start transforming your career and life with this podcast. I've been in the trenches as an executive leader, and now I'm an executive coach and confidential advisor to executives all over the world. I use a multidisciplinary approach to improve learning that drives transformation by getting to the root cause in a practical, no-nonsense way. I love learning and sharing what makes people tick. You get both education and entertainment, since learning shouldn't be boring, right? But that's enough about me. This podcast is a combination of intuitive leadership, neural influence, and mental mastery to take your career and life to levels you've never thought possible. If you're wanting to improve yourself, develop stronger relationships professionally and personally, make quicker, better decisions, and become a more effective leader, then of course, this podcast is for you because you are going to learn how to manage emotions in yourself and others, avoid burnout, stress, and anxiety, master your mind, get people to listen and take action, and become a lifelong learner. And when you do that, you will have a positive mental attitude, executive leadership presence, and the skills to know exactly what to say and do in any situation. I'm glad you're here. So, let's get started. All right, Hal, I got you back again. I keep roping right. you back into these. <laughs> I know I love doing this, and it sounds like you do too. I'm having a ball. Okay. So, so let's, let's talk about um, the independence and the reporting relationship a little bit, because this tends to be one where there's, you know, there's the aspiration of what kind of the standards or the profession is saying should happen. But the reality is, I think less than five or 10% of the groups can actually achieve that aspiration, right? And so maybe let's kind of talk about the aspiration, practically where most people actually are and ways that regardless of who you physically report to administratively or functionally, how you can add more value to your organization by focusing on a couple of different ways to develop relationships with key people. Excellent. So where should we jump first? Well, I mean, let's let's start with, you know, what people uh, would like to see happen and is certainly advocated. Okay, ideally, ideally, you know, for 
stature, enhancing the ability for independence, for enhancing the opportunities for objectivity and all that stuff. Ideally, the chief audit executive reports functionally to the audit committee and has a strong relationship with the chair of the audit committee and administratively to the senior most executive in the organization, the CEO, because that minimizes your um, the, the, the likelihood that someone is, you're gonna be auditing areas directly that someone is responsible for. Yes, the CEO is responsible for the entire organization, but they may not direct or preclude or influence you in certain areas over others because of their area of specific responsibility. So yes, ideally, report functionally to the chair of the audit, the audit committee, the chair of the audit committee, report administratively the CEO. And most surveys indicate that isn't exactly what happens. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, right. You know, and so it isn't up to you as the CAE. You might be able to influence it, you know, but it isn't up to you. The organization is going to decide where you report. Now, if you're not reporting functionally to the audit committee, that's a problem. But I don't think that's what we want to talk about now. This is where you administratively report. And okay, so you report to the CFO, you report to the CRO, you report to the CLO, the chief legal officer or the equivalent or wherever, mm -hmm. you know, okay, now make the best of it. You know, manage through what you need to do to ensure that you're maintaining your, forget about independence for a minute, your objectivity as best as you can. Are you deciding where you think audit needs to spend its time or is someone deciding it for you? And if you have control, as much as you can have control in an organization, you have control over deciding where you're gonna spend your time, then don't worry about it. Don't worry about where you're for, get over it. And look at the organization and say, okay, now where are the relationships the most important to ensure my success and not fixate on where you report? Yeah, I think I think this is important. And it's, you know, because again, like you said, most most of the surveys say, you know, it could be the the you know, head of finance, head of legal, um, you know, even sometimes further down to like a controller, risk officer, whoever it happens to be, right? And, and I think as you and I have talked about this before, because we both served as chief audit executives, I know I administratively reported to a lot of different titled positions, but also different people in those same titled positions, right? Right. And, and it's not so much about, hey, the CEO is going to be the best quote unquote practice person to report to. It's not necessarily the title, but it's a lot too about the person themselves, right? And, and, and I think kind of that point that you brought up of, 
yeah, even though we'd like to kind of control, but are, are you having, you know, are you taking input or, or in, and choosing where you're going or are you being told you can only go certain places, right? Because that's, again, it doesn't matter who you report to. If the CEO is telling you, well, you can only look at these three areas and that's it, then it, again, it, it's the person, not necessarily the position, I think, too, right? That matters. Yeah, it's the function of the individuals in the role. Yeah. Where you, where you were, the people you report to and yourself mm -hmm. and is much more important how the individuals approach the roles and their interactions with each other than the titles that the people have, yeah. you know, the, so the, the, the person who is running internal audit, who's called the director of internal audit but really wants the title chief audit executive and they report to the VP and controller and they really want to report to the CEO. Well, the organization decided what you're called and the organization <laughs> decided where you're going to report. So move on. If that, if you're not going to be able to influence change there and work with the individuals that you're working with and make it work. But it comes back to looking at the organization and deciding where are the relationships, not the reporting lines, where are the relationships the most important to maximize my success in the organization? And what am I going to do about that? Well, I think, I think that's the key point, right? Because like you said, it doesn't matter. I mean, obviously you want a good relationship with the person that you administratively report to, whoever that is, right? So you've got you've to develop that relationship, but what are the other key relationships in the organization where you need to focus on? And, um, you know, one of, the, one of the experiences I had, um, one of the companies that I worked with, the... Um, there was going to be a new CEO in the future, right? The CEO was going to retire within a couple of years. And so there were certain people in the organization who were kind of thought of as potential replacements, right? This tends to happen most of the time, right? There's, there's a two, three, four executives that could take over that role. You just don't know who it is, right? Well, a few years out, I could tell who it was going to be. Now, how did I know? Because I saw the person who was establishing the relationships with the board members and the owners of the company. And so as an example, right, I would show up to a, a charity event, <laughs> right? And guess who's sitting next to, you know, the, the, the chair of the board? Well, it's this president within the company, right? Yeah. Um, who was, you know, I remember, I think I was in the airport one time and, uh, and, and I saw this person walking with another board member, right? So that person understood the importance of relationship building, had established those relationships over a period of time. He didn't report to those people. Yes, he would give he would give you know, his report to the board on what his 
operating division was doing, yeah. but he was doing more than just showing up and giving the report. He was developing deeper relationships with those board members. Not a surprise when he took over as CEO, right? Because yeah. like I said, I could see it coming. I knew some other people that wanted it, but I knew they weren't going to get it because I saw what this what this other person was doing, right? So, so what are some ways that we can maybe learn from that or, or operationalize that then in our organization, who might be some of these, these people that, that we, as you know, as the chief audit executive would be wanting to develop a better or deeper relationship with as well in the organization? Well, internal audit proverbial always wants the seat at the table, Right. Mm -hmm. And it, you don't get the seat at the table by virtue of your title. You don't get the seat at the table by virtue of um, what you're going to do. You get the seat at the table by what you have done. And you get the seat at the table based on what value it's perceived you're going to be able to add. And that, and who, where does it start? if you want to get that seat at the table and manage the perceptions to ensure that you not only get it, but you get to keep it, and that's the CEO. Starts and ends there. They set the tone. If you're showing up to meetings as a CAE and the CEO says, what are they doing here? <laughs> <laughs> you know, who invited them? Well, you didn't develop the relationship with the CEO that you needed to. So it all starts and ends with the CEO. So if you administratively report somewhere else in the organization, you gotta develop that relationship with the CEO first and foremost. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story here. Um, I was new CAE in an organization and I reported administratively to the CFO. And I quickly surmised that if I'm gonna get anywhere in this organization and do what I know I need to do, I, the, the CEO held the keys to the kingdom in terms of whatever they perceived of me and the role I had in the organization, the rest of the organization would follow. So I was a new guy. I didn't want to get anybody upset after I had come to that conclusion, which probably is true in many organizations or most organizations, if not all. So I told my administrative boss, because I didn't want to get his nose bent out of joint. You know, I told him, I want to, I, I believe I need to develop a stronger relationship with the CEO than I currently have. I, here's what I would like to do and how I'd like to go about it. Are you okay with that? And if they started doing all of this pushback stuff, I knew I was going to be in trouble. I was the new CAE there, new organization. And they embraced it. Okay, good, happy. So then I didn't want to get them upset either. So the first couple of meetings I set up with the CEO to develop the relationship and spend some chat time with the CEO, I went to the CFO and I said, here's what I'm going to talk to him about. And then when the meeting was over, I traced back to the CFO's office and I said, here's what we discussed. And after we did that twice, he said, will you stop doing that? I don't care 
unless there's something that's going to affect me or you think is going to affect the organization, just do it. And I was like, oh, thank God. Yeah, but so, see how the way you did that, that, that was perfect, right? Because again, a lot of times a CFO like that will have some mis some apprehensions about, oh my gosh, what are you going to be talking about to the CEO that I'm not going to know about, right? Are you going to tell them what a bad person I am? Are you going to try to, you know, start reporting to them instead? Are you going to throw me under the bus, right? right. A lot of times people have those, those apprehensions. And so the fact that you told the CFO before, you told them afterwards, right? And, and so you were being completely transparent, not trying to hide anything, but then having the CFO say, how quit coming back, you don't have to come back, right? Now it's their choice and you've you started to establish a relationship with the CEO while also not pissing off your CFO, right? So the way in which you did that was, was awesome, right? I mean, as far as, so if people are trying to do this, learn from that story that Hal, Hal just had there, because if you don't, then that administrative reporter might think you're trying to end around them and nobody likes to be end arounded to the boss. That'll get you fired quick. <laughs> and your administrative boss in the organization almost always will have a stronger relationship with the board members than you do. Mm -hmm they will able, be able to wield influence. And so you got to manage that relationship carefully because if you go sideways with them and they want you out of the organization, they want to move you aside, they are going to start managing the board and the audit committee in such a way regardless of what it says on paper as to who can theoretically hire, fire, decide your compensation, we all know how it really works. Mm. And so it was that in that story that I told, which is a true story, is that the way I wanted to do it? No, it wasn't the way I wanted to do it. It was the way I learned to do it by seeing how others were successful managing the people and politics of the organization. It was keeping my eye on what I wanted to accomplish, focusing on, as I, we told someone recently, you know, be relentless about what you want to achieve, not be relentless about the way, about how to get it done. Be yeah. relentless in achieving the result. The result I wanted was the relationship with the CEO. And if I had to go about doing it differently than the way I wanted to, to get to the goal, fine, let it be that way. Um, and so, you know, at the end of the day, evaluate where whoever you administratively and functionally report to is the relationship with the CEO where you want it to be? If not, why not? And what are you gonna do about it? Because if you as the CAE and your staff 
want those seats at the table, want to be involved in the organization that, that all starts and ends with the tone that gets set from the top. It all starts and ends with the CEO. It all starts and ends with how the C, what the CEO perceives of you. Yeah, because if you, you know, <clears throat> again, that little analogy, right? If, if you want the seat at the table, that's an analogy people talk about all the time, right? Right. Then look at who decides, because I, I usually refer to it as like the big kid, you know, the adult table and the kid little table. kid's table, right? Because I, I grew up in a big family. So every time that we had, you know, big family dinner, there was the kid's table and then there was the adult table, right? Well, you know, you always wanted to sit at the adult table, but so if you want to sit at the adult table, who decides who sits at the adult table? It's usually the CEO, right? And I think like you said before, right? If you want that seat at the table, it's based on what you've done before, but also the value you're going to provide. Now, why do we not let the little kids sit at the adult table? Because the adults want to talk about adult things, right? And if there's kids at the table, then you're not going to talk about those adult things, right? I'm not talking about adult things, but maybe it is adult things depending on your family. But, but you know, so it's, it's the same thing, right? Is that you have to be able to contribute to the conversation going on at the table. And if you haven't developed relationship with some of those people that are already sitting there, that are already saying, hey, you know what? I want Hal here because I value what he's talking about. So next time we have one of these, let's invite him, please, right? Right. Um, that's that's kind of where and, and why this relationship building is so important because you're never going to get there if you don't have relationships with the people that are at the table. Yep. And in taking your, your, your um, analogy there just a step further, when you're when you're developing the relationship with the ceo are you going there and talking about what you want to talk about are you going there and talking about what they want to talk about are you having the kid conversation or the adult conversation i don't mean to be that you know the ceo is gonna is not gonna give you the time of day and is not gonna look forward to your meeting and maybe even you'll start finding those meetings get canceled rescheduled or whatever unless you're going and talking about what they want to talk about yeah. now you can spin that to your take on the subject and add value and add insight but you can't go in there with the list of things you want to talk about because that will not develop a relationship develop a transaction well we don't have time to hit on it today but that gets That's back to this, this rele relevance you know that we've talked about so many times before yeah um but yeah i think you know again it's you know i think we've given people some good good things today you know just so just to kind of wrap up a little summary right don't don't get too bent out of shape on who you report to don't necessarily try to force changing that because you don't have any control over it right but what you can control is the relationship that you have both with your administrative reporting you know executive that you're reporting to and also to some of these other key executives obviously ceo being a big one that you want to try to develop but there might be others as well too right because 
you know, like you said, Hal, if you if you want to get invited to the to the table, you got to be talking about what people at the table are talking about, and you've got to develop the relationships with people that want you there, right? That you are adding to the con to the conversation, and they actually want you there. If people are requesting that you're at the table, you're going to come to the table. But if you're over there saying, uh, come on, dad, let me sit at the big table, right? <laughs> it's going to be like, no, grow up, right? You know? Um, so anyway, good, good, good stuff, Al. Good stuff. Any, any final things? Yeah. The, and, and so the only thing I'd add to that is there is actually a relationship that's even more important than real building the relationship with the CEO. And that's building a relationship with the CEO's admin support person. Oh, yes. Ease to the kingdom. They can tell you, they can get you access, they can block you access, they can get you moved up the list, they can stop you from moving anywhere. They can tell you what's on their mind. They can warn you as you're walking in the door for the conversation, it's been a really bad day, Be careful, and all that stuff. So not only developed a relationship with the CEO, but the bonus here is developed a relationship with their admin. Oh yeah, no, and that's that's a great point. Thanks for bringing that up because again, it's, you know, when I look back at the, the two companies where I was CAE, yeah, it was the relationships with, with those, you know, executive assistants that made all the difference, right? Um, so yeah, make sure and take time to do that as well. All right. Well, thanks, Hal. Yep. It's fun. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Jamming with Jason. Keep on rocking in the audit world. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share with your friends and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you enjoyed the most about the podcast. And you may even be featured on a future episode. When you're ready to turbocharge your leadership development, join the Briefing Leadership Program where you get access to everything in one place and can interact directly with me in the group. If you'd like to earn continuing professional education for listening to today's episode, head on over to C-Risk Academy's video on-demand learning platform at ondemand.criskacademy.com. Not only do you get a CPE certificate, but you will also have access to hundreds of video on-demand learning opportunities. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are that of the individuals and not of their respective organizations.